think of small talk, not as this awful thing, think of it as a treasure hunt. And what kind of treasure hunt is this? What are you looking for in the small talk? Nothing more than you're looking for something to connect on. Hello, Gladys here. And welcome to the Knuckleball Podcast, where each episode I'll sit down with a stranger or a friend and we'll get to know each other. No scripts, no nothing. Just two people having a free-flowing conversation with no agenda. Yeah, I I feel like we don't really do that enough, and and um, it's it's nice, you know, to put your phone away and just be there with someone. This podcast is cozy, it's light, and not gonna lie, sometimes it does get heavy, and it can get introspective, but most importantly, it's human. And, and you know, I think one of my friends once told me that it's almost as if it feels like having two friends in your ears. And I think that is a really neat way to describe this podcast. So there you go. Thank you for giving this podcast a chance. I really hope that it brings a little bit of joy to your day and, and makes your day a little bit better. If it does, please leave a nice rating and review. It'll really help the show. And I would love to hear from you. So please send me a DM uh, on Instagram at Knuckleball Podcast or send me an email at theknuckleballpodcast at gmail.com. The Knuckleball Podcast. <laughs> All right, that's it. On to the episode. Bye-bye. Patty. All right, Gladys. How's it going? Excellent. Thank you for yeah. being here. <laughs> Absolutely. It's great to see you finally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been like a week or more than that um, since we wanted to arrange this. For sure. But you know what? We both had uh, things to attend to. You had a friend. I had some family stuff going on. And today just works out perfectly. Nice. All right. How, how's your how's your day? Pretty good so far. Um, it's uh, I'm in Florida, so it's absolutely it's beautiful, beautiful out. In fact, I'm not even indoors. I'm out like outside. I was gonna say <laughs> I can't really see where you are, but I'm pretty yeah. sure it looks gorgeous outside. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Thank you for. I just wanted to say like thank you for being here. Um, not a lot of people are you know willing to do this type of kind of spontaneous thing i think a lot of people are kind of nervous um sure. to talk to someone totally new and uh yeah i just want to i just wanted to like take the first minute to thank you oh, in fact i was looking over your uh podcast titles and it looks like you really i mean i think somebody summed it up really well or whoever said it's like having two friends in your ears it's like this coffee table you know around the kitchen table conversation um, it can go anywhere and we're just here to explore some ideas and hopefully say something that'll resonate with people you know yeah Maybe and I have out. to say I have to say Patty you are the most enthusiastic person <laughs> that I've met at least on reddit 
like um i mean you know for for the listeners you you were so thorough that thorough and oh. giving me all of your ideas um yeah. and i don't know you you just kind of seem like you have a passion for you know helping people well life you know i will tell you i was with a, a group of my girlfriends this morning we were getting together for a meeting and one of the concepts we talked about today was how life is hard i mean life is hard for all of us and so we just do the best that we can with it and a lot of times we respond to that by we have a system like this is how we deal with whatever crazy thing is thrown at us and so we go through life i think in a sense, on autopilot, like I know how, you know, I know how we do, just as an example, people in New York City, they run into so many people, they don't really want to interact with strangers much. So they're, they're quick, and they're brusque. And sometimes even they've been accused of being rude. Well, that's kind of a self protective feature. When you think about it, it's like, I, I just have to get to my destination. And I can't be looking at 50 gazillion people. So they're quick. So Anyway, New York City is just an example, but a lot of us live our life literally on autopilot. And I think to the extent we're able to take ourselves off of that, we can live a better, more meaningful, more impactful life, both for ourselves and for other people. So we were just, you know, my girlfriends and I were just discussing that, like, yeah, you really get stuck in some patterns where we don't think of doing things any other way. So um, yeah, so I just love the idea. I mean, we don't know how much longer we have to live. We've got today, I'm, you know, halfway through today. So we got that, but we don't know what, what tomorrow holds. So, you know, we don't want to be exit off this planet until we've, we've made our mark and we've done the best that we, we can with, with whatever. So that's yeah. really, that's really interesting that you say that. So I'm actually in the city. I'm in New York City. You're in New York City? <laughs> yeah. How funny is that? We're kind of neighbors. <laughs> so you know, you know what I'm talking about then. Patty, so you're absolutely right. And I was going to say, so something interesting is that I took the entire week off this week from work because mm -hmm. I kind of felt like I was getting burnt out. And so, yeah, I, I just took the week. And I have to say, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, New York is so nice. Like <laughs> People are so much nicer on the weekdays when... Um all the people who are stressed out are stuck in offices and then all the people who are not are just kind of like chilling and yeah. um, a lot of tourists obviously but yeah. restaurants are also less crowded i went to um the sandwich place called chickies i don't know if you've okay. been um yeah. and it was just me and i managed to like i talked to the cashier and like the cook for like an hour and it oh was my great. God, you, was are, you, are, you are a perfect example of what I'm talking about and what I advise people to do when they're a little uncertain on their social skills and like, where do I practice? That's where you practice. You practice in your everyday interactions. You know, one of these things that we do on autopilot, how many times do we run through the grocery line or run through any line? And it's just like, yeah, yeah. And you don't even like look at the person or you don't even say anything to them. That is the perfect place to practice bringing a more enthusiastic, vibrant persona. And yeah. not, not just because, and I'm not saying that because you're, I mean, you are, yes, using the person to practice, but you're, that's not the only reason you do it. You do it to practice making that human connection, to make your day brighter, to make their day brighter. And uh, I, yeah, I can't believe <laughs> you brought up one of the very things that I, that I advise people to do. Get up. In fact, 
when people are trying to change how they interact with people, it's really difficult to do that in your social life because you feel like, ah, you know, if I start doing things differently, people are going to notice, they might say something to me, you know, how awkward is that going to feel? So you go out and you practice your vibe, your persona, bringing it a little bit stronger, more enthusiastically. You do it in the transactions that are more anonymous. You see a ton of anonymous people every day where you can, every day you can work on bringing a better you. Absolutely. That's where I tell people to practice. You don't, your social life is like the World Series or the Super Bowl. You don't walk onto the field at the Super Bowl and say, I'm going to learn football. That's not where you do it. I think one thing I'm really curious about is um, how did you, I don't know, you seem very passionate about this kind of subject. You know, did you kind of just chance upon it or were, were you, um, did you I, was it a problem I, I, you were trying to solve? Yeah, no, I'll try to give you a little bit of background without, you know, without belaboring myself too much. But I guess the, the brief way I would put it is that um, as a kid, as a younger school child, say middle school through high school, I was just as shy as any person could possibly be. I mean, I, I had so much going on in my head that I was afraid to say or to speak. I was really worried about how people would react to me. Um, And so therefore it was tough for me to, like I had a few friends, a few loyal friends, but outside of that immediate group or my family, I wasn't really comfortable, you know, putting myself out there in any way. And so I just put this label on myself. I said, well, I'm shy and that's just the way it is. And, um, you know, there's not too much I can do about that. And so that is that, right? So I went through my, my school years that way. And then that had to change in college because I, I majored in journalism. And when the, the very first thing I learned the very first week is you had to get out there and interview all these people. I was like, oh, my Lord, how am I going to do this? <laughs> so I had to kind of develop these, I guess I would say, adaptive strategies for getting through this difficulty. It was either that or change my major. So I, I came up with some strategies to to force myself into a mode of being more, more proactive, more, more people oriented. And what I discovered in the course of doing this is, you know, I thought I was just coping, right? I just thought I was coping with the situation. Well, in fact, the exercise of doing this day after day after day actually transformed me in a sense to the point where by the time, by the end of college, I was somebody who could talk to anyone. I was somebody people would send out there to do the talking because I was so used to doing it. So, so one of the lessons I learned from that is that you have to kind of desensitize yourself to what it is you're afraid of. And, and I'm not saying to throw yourself out there in a big way, because that's difficult too. But and this yeah. is what I'm saying, like these interactions with the cashiers. I mean, to me, that's a lot less intimidating than, you know, standing up and giving a speech or, you know, going to a party where, you know, no one, I mean, those are much bigger venues, but you bite off, you make the problem as small as you can possibly make it and start from there. And you start getting the practice and you start doing it on a daily basis. And that will give you, this is the problem. People don't have confidence in their ability to interact. And if you practice every day, every day, a little bit more, today, I'm going to make good eye contact. Tomorrow, I'm going to light up a big smile when I do it. Next day, I'm going to greet the person with a bit of energy. Hey, how are you doing? Or hi, how's it going? You know, what's your day been like? You know, and, and you will start 
I discovered that that when you put the emotion into the interaction, people will respond in kind. And in fact, this is something I often tell people. It's not really what you say. I mean, what we say is important, of course, but when in terms of how people react, it, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Because how you say it communicates so much to, to people. It communicates how you feel about them, which they're very interested in knowing, how you feel about the topic, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about life itself. That all comes through in, in, your, um, in, in how you say things. And, yeah. um, and that's no, why I, I say... You, Go ahead. Oh, no, I was I was just going to say, like, um, so the day before that interaction with the cashier, I went to a pancake place and I also, you know, kind of for whatever reason, just I was sitting on the bar by myself, just eating pancakes and everyone at the bar was was just so open to making different little comments about your food like your oh ooh, what are you drinking you know kind of like little remarks like that that opened up conversations and uh i don't know i i i really like your point on and it was something that i realized that day too it's like people are kind of like mirrors it's that you 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 get what you kind of put into Absolutely. Right? the energy, you, yeah. For the most part, and I say 95% of the time, what you put out there is generally what you get. There's always exceptions, of course. There's always, you'll run into the cranky person. And, yeah. and in all honesty, I, I always say, never judge. If you run into like a cranky, rude, mean person, never judge why that is. Because they could be having a bad day. They could have had a tragedy happen yesterday. Their dog could have died that week. They could be having a physical pain that you can't see. They could be having like a serious, there's so many reasons why somebody could be having a bad day. So if I run into one of those, and it's rare, but if I run into one of those, I just continue with my happy self and I mentally, I wish them a good day. I think to myself, I hope their day goes better. I hope their life goes better. I don't know what's going on with them. And then I carry on because I swear you know, if you go out in public and, you know, service people, again, is a really great place to practice, but 95% of people easy will, will respond in kind to you, that people are so kind if you bring that vibe to them to begin with. And, yeah. and we're kind of wired that way. I mean, think about the fact that, you know, when someone's rude to us or snaps at us, oh, the temptation is to just snap back. It's just wired into us. And I'm not a snappy back type person, but even I can feel it when somebody throws that at me and I have to kind of like, Oh, you know, think to myself, I don't, I don't want to yeah. respond that way. Um, but, but, but the thing is like, the thing is like, I, I mean, you know, when I try to not take it too personally and I just kind of go about my day, like you said, I realize that I'm really doing it more for me than the other person. Sure, sure. <laughs> Cause I don't want to have a little interaction kind of ruin my entire day, you know? Yeah, it's absolutely. Of, what's what's the line that's like um it's almost like you're drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die <laughs> <It's not> to, <laughs> like, to peel over <laughs> that makes no sense yeah. makes no yeah. sense and um and yeah and that person probably isn't even thinking about it and like right i mean i do that in traffic all the time like i get this oh, hard moment somebody will cut me off and i'll be like after I realize I survived, then I'll be like, I got to pray for that person. Otherwise I'll get myself <laughs> all upset, uh, you know, yeah. type of thing. It, it's sort of interesting. And, and I want to like, in the, in the interest of like, why are humans, humans, 
um, ability to connect, it's kind of predicated on two really primal things. One is that we like to connect because we're kind of wired that way. And, and the reason for that is as uh, creatures, as a species, we don't have these, uh, we don't have claws, we don't have saber teeth. Most of us yeah. don't have quills. Um, we're not big like bears. So we don't really have the defensive capability that other animals normally have. So um, a, a mechanism to preserve the human species has been, we band together. We have our brains, we communicate, we help each other out. So it's literally a survival instinct. In fact, back in the day, one of the worst things that could happen to a person is you got banished from the tribe. Oh, your behavior is so terrible. You got to go yeah. out into the wilderness, right? I mean, that's the worst. So we are wired to connect. And, and even if it's, you know, just with family members or our friend circle or whatever, we get lonely if we don't have that. But working against that is the idea that if we're coming upon a group that we don't know, if we're coming upon somebody who's an acquaintance, but we don't know them that well, a coworker, we really don't know them. People we're not that comfortable with. There's a reason for that. And the reason is it's another self-protective instinct. It's that back in the day, if you didn't know who this person was, they weren't part of your tribe, you didn't know if they were friend or foe. They could be there to kill you, to kidnap you, to steal your stuff. You didn't know. So it's very natural for humans to be cautious, to, to be reserved. So think about how that impacts us. So we go you know, to a party where we know no one or we're meeting a new person. So we automatically, without even thinking about it, we go into standoffish mode. Oh, hi, how are you? And then we're like, no, there's this invisible barrier. This is an invisible wall that we have trouble breaking through. And again, it's natural. So we shouldn't be beating ourselves up over that. But at the same time, at this particular point in history, it doesn't serve us well in terms of trying to meet new people. What, what we have to constantly do is say, okay, how can I break down that barrier? How can I develop a comfort level? Um, and, and actually, this is a phrase that I've kind of come up with for that how how do I unleash the real me that is hidden here because I haven't developed that comfort level yet how do I unleash that because the real you is in there the real you is your your thoughts your opinions your experiences your preferences all the stuff that goes up into making it up up you but if you're sitting there as a person who's like you know oh I'm feeling anxious or feeling shy that's not part of the real you that's the barrier between you and being able to communicate the real you to other people. So that's the thing that I'm trying to find good ways to help people break that down, to bust through that, to, to make all the world your friendship stage. I guess. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about what you're saying with like your time majoring in journalism and it kind of sounds like feelings are not required if you want to make a change. Like yeah. you, I mean, you use the word force, but I guess in a way it's more of like you are acknowledging that you feel anxious, but then you're like, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. Like, right. And you know what I actually go had to that? come yeah. up, I had to come up with a, I have a lot of, I have a lot of ways to, trick myself into making my life better. Um, just because I'm essentially lazy, I have to find a way to make it easier for myself. So the way I did that specifically, um, a lot of that was, now I'm older than you are. So back in that day, there were no cell phones. It was yeah. 
phone calls. I had to use a phone to call people up and make appointments. Like even that, it sounds so simple, but it intimidated me terribly. I was. Oh my God. I I had, I had a three day job like that and it was horrible. (laughs) And then I got fired after that. Oh no. (laughs) I realized that I'm so terrible over the phone because I, I don't know how to convince people to to buy something or make an appointment for something that I oh, don't. Oh gosh! Even. Well, you know, two things about that, and I'll get back to my yeah. my little method in a minute. But two things about that: one is, first of all, don't beat yourself up over that because my gosh, sales over the phone is just so hard. <laughs> People are just so wired to like hang up on you or not want to deal with you. So you really that job you're literally being asked to do something that is just so so hard. I will say though, with the phone that my demeanor on that has changed so much because the thing that I say about, um, you know, that part about how you say it is, is almost more important than what you're saying. I have found that I can reach out to people on the phone with my voice, with my voice alone, because they can't see me and create that same warm atmosphere just by it all starts in the heart. You have to start, you have to start developing this happy place, this gratitude, this place of warmth, and then invite that other person into it. So when I reach out to them with that tone of voice, I call it, I have a word for this. It's called a vocal hug. I reach out and I am just inviting them, giving them a hug with my voice. And you can just hear their demeanor change. In fact, I was just talking to somebody, he was helping me, it was a tech call, not a sales call, tech call, helping me, you know, our TV had done something stupid and he was like going through all this stuff. And so I'm just sitting there going, so where are you from? Cause I could tell he had an accent of some sort. And he said, Oh, the Philippines. I'm like, Oh, the Philippines. Well, we have a whole huge Filipino community here in, in uh, central Florida. And I was telling them about all the great people I had met and, and how awesome they were and how great they could cook. And I had eaten this and I had eaten that. And he was laughing. He was like, Oh yeah, did you try this? So anyway, so while he was fixing our TV problem, we were having this great conversation about the Filipino community and et cetera, et cetera. So my point being about that is you can make a human connection with anybody. You just have to ask them a question, reach out and grab it, and and then just get a little excited about what what they're telling you. So anyway, going back 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 to how I forced (laughs) myself to make these phone calls. So anyway, I mentioned food. I'm a little food oriented to say the least. I love to cook and even more than that, I love to eat. Um, So I said to myself, you know, these phone calls to to make these interviews are just hanging over my head. I mean, I bet you you could picture it because you were work that that job with the the calls. I got to make all these calls. Oh my gosh, how am I going to get this done? So I had like two or three calls to make. So I said, okay, I will not go to dinner with my friends on this college campus until at least one call is made. And, you know, it didn't, and I was worried about it being, you know, oh, it's got to be great. I got to sound a certain way. And once I put it in that frame, can't go to dinner until the call is made, suddenly it was, it didn't become about the call. It became about going to dinner. Like I really really (laughs) wanted to get to dinner with my friends. So I said, you know what? I just have this stupid call I have to make. This doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be outstanding. I just have to do it. So that made it easier to make the call. It actually took a lot of pressure off the call because I didn't say it had to be a perfect call. I just had to do the thing. So the first one, you know, I sat there with my words that I was going to say and maybe my other words I was going to say, depending on what they said. And 
And so that one, it was, it wasn't the most perfect thing. It was a little, little stumbly, but not too bad. And I was like, oh, wow, I survived that. So the next day I had to make another call. And that call went a little bit better and so on and so on. It was the actual forcing of myself to do the difficult thing. And then just the daily practice. Because if you do something like once in a blue moon, once a month, it can be hard if you're doing it every day. This is why I say practice every day with these service people. If you're doing it every day, it develops into a superpower. I swear to you, it does because it's it almost does. as if like you are. Well, one is rewiring your brain to kind of mm-hmm. build new neurons. Yeah. But also, I think another interesting thing, and this is something that I realized myself, too, is like. Like life is not binary is kind of what I realized. It's like if you treat something as an experiment rather than like, oh, there's going to be a right thing and a wrong thing to do in ah, this situation. Yeah. And it totally takes the pressure off. Like, yeah. because now when you quote unquote fail in something, it's more of like, oh, this is just feedback for the next time that you're doing right, something right. rather than like oh you know it's, it's horrible let's see how it goes let's right see and it's not permanent mm-hmm. yeah. i like that point yeah and another thing too is if it's if it's something you know i don't care what it is but i sometimes say you know if you're worried about failing well first of all we all fail i mean that's a, a thomas edison thing is that he all, all the things he did were failures until they succeeded so failing is part of the process But if you're worried about failing and, you know, a lot of us can be a little perfectionistic and, you know, we don't want to fail. We're human. We don't want to fail. Well, you know what? Go out there and get the failure out of the way. Say to yourself, you know what? I'm going to go out there and, you know, this is probably going to be my fail. So I'll just go out there and fail big. (laughs) I'll fail large and get that one out of the way. And then I, then I can go. That's so interesting. So you're, so you're saying instead of making the success, the goal, you should make failure the goal. Just to kind of get, so, get say used yourself, to it, you know? I'm, 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 you know, <laughs> give yourself a mulligan. This is, this is my, yeah. my, this is my failure effort. And then, then, you know, darn, you know, you might not even fail the thing. You say, oh, look, I even failed at having failure. Oh, well, carry on. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause the thing is, I think what's valuable, it's kind of getting a, getting a baseline is better than not starting at all. Absolutely. You're so scared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are we waiting like for? That. You know what? We're never going to have more life left to us than we have today. Just, okay. So I have a question. Sure. You say you said that twice and I really love it. I'm curious. When did you finally realize that we're all going to die and we don't have a lot of time here and we need to start being more self-aware and like kind of becoming the best person that we can possibly be? Oh, there's two answers to that. Um, I actually have been extremely self-aware about the finiteness of life. I remember from the earliest age, from like age six, I remember standing in the driveway of my original home, which was Buffalo, New York. Yeah, It had to be a summer day because it was hot in my memory. It had to be a summer. (laughs) I remember standing in the driveway and having the thought click with me at the tender age of six, wow, this life doesn't last forever. Eventually we're gone. And, and I just remember that idea taking hold of me and it, it fascinated me to be honest. And, and so I had the, so I've always lived with a sense of, you know, of that, of that to a certain extent, but 
to get to the second part of your question, I think it's more recently that I've really extrapolated that to the, uh, the realm of social skills. And I, I really realized that as I've become, as I've made the journey from somebody who, who really felt like I couldn't connect with people at, at a young age to somebody who's totally the opposite of that. I'm the same person. I'm the same person inside, but my way of communicating and connecting with people is, is very different. And I think to myself, there are so many people who feel trapped behind that barrier, who feel like they can't connect well. And my experience has been that, you know, they give up on themselves. And I, and I understand why. It's, it's if you haven't had success and you just say, well, that's the way I am. And you throw up your hands and, and that's it. But like I say, rip off those labels. I mean, we are not UPS here. We are here <laughs> to be our own full person. And, and I strongly feel it's not as difficult as, as people think. Um, and I understand why they think it's difficult because I remember my difficult years and it's, okay, I'll tell you <laughs> a book I read back then, very famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That is, that is like the Bible of human relations. Um, and, and I'm going to say something negative about the book but not really because I think everybody should buy the book and own it. It, it is a great manual of human relations. Um, and it's very old, it's like a hundred years old. So it's, <laughs> it's an old book. Um, and I do think it's very good, but it will not teach you how to make a friend. It will not teach you how to connect with people. Like I read the whole book cover to cover and it would say stuff like, you know, don't criticize people. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not even talking. Like, what, what, who does this book think I'm criticizing? I'm just sitting here over in the corner, like a house plan, and I don't know how to connect with people. And this book isn't telling me how to do it. So I feel like through the course of my journey, I have discovered a much easier way to connect with people. I, like I've even read social skills books just to see what they're saying. And some of them are like thick, they are thick. And they go through every scenario, you know, if you have this type of conversation or that type of scenario. And, and I don't know how, about you, Gladys, but if I'm going into a social situation, I do not want 20 things <laughs> sitting in my head that I have to remember. And like, what's this? And what if that? And at the most, I want two, maybe three thoughts, you know, maybe what I did yesterday, if it was interesting and who am I meeting and what's my interest there? And just maybe a sense of joy and enthusiasm I'm bringing to the whole shooting match. I do not want to remember all these scenarios. Because cause if anything, that's going to make you even more anxious, like yeah. trying to oh, remember absolutely. a absolutely. thousand scenarios for one. <laughs> right. And, and I do think it's a lot simpler than a lot of these books make it out to be. Um, I, I, I honestly do. I, people can really transform themselves, but they just need to know what are the important things, what what is worth practicing and what's worth not. I remember um, somebody coming on uh, the social skills forum and they said something and God bless this guy. I, I loved what he was doing. He said, you know, I've been on this forum for five years and working on my skills. And he said, I just want to encourage you people because I've, I've um, you know, I wanted to come back and say it's worth it. He said, you know, I, I've made a little bit of progress in, in five years and, and it's really worth it. And I want to encourage you. So I love the fact, A, that he was putting himself out there. 
that he, he came back to talk to people, that he came back to be encouraging, that, that he was so positive in so many respects. So I absolutely loved what he did. But what broke my heart is that he had been at this for five years and had made a little bit of progress. And I was thinking, oh gosh, guy, I wish I could just take you by the hand and show you how to make fast, much faster progress because you're practicing the right things, practicing things that'll actually make a difference. You know, I mean, a lot of times what people will do is I got to put myself out there more. And so they'll find more and more social situations to put themselves into, but they still aren't getting the results they want. And by results, all I mean is the ability to make that human connection, that ability to create, I call it a circle of warmth. You know, you want your conversation to be a circle of warmth. You feel like, ah, this person gets me. This person empathizes with me. Um, this person hears me, all those things. And then we exchange a few ideas. Sometimes we hit one that we both love and, and we click on and then extra energy gets into the conversation. That's the sort of thing we're seeking. We're not looking to just, you know, be on the edge of a conversation and listen, which is what a lot of people yeah. do. Oh, I went and I listened. You want to be a part of it. You want to, you know. And so anyway, so so this guy was breaking my heart that that he was obviously working so hard at this, but, but not, not getting a whole lot of success. And, and so that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm on the forum, like all the time answering questions saying, Hey, try this. And you know, it's not that hard. And da, 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 da. Um, I, I was going to, yeah. Um, well, I think first, thank you for just being that kind of like good Samaritan. I feel like people just need that kind of, you know, you know how when you hang around Reddit, you always get this one random good person that's always giving good advice and just really wants to help, like genuinely just wants to be there to provide these um, kind of grassroots, you know, from from the ground level, one by one type of um, advice. Um, I, I think I think that's great. And but and one thing I noticed when reading these um, kinds of comments is like, I realize a lot of these anxiety and just things and the stories in your head that people are telling themselves, it kind of sounds like it stems from a need to control things that they just inherently, they don't have control over. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and um, like, and, and then, so that's one. And then the second thing is like, a lot of people complain that they're not interesting enough. And oh, so, that is yeah, such a pet peeve of mine. Your eyes lit up. I love. Oh, I have never. I, I, I think I've barely ever met an uninteresting person. I just think people people have no idea what they have to bring. I mean, people say things like, "Oh, I don't have great enough hobbies. I haven't been anywhere. I'm just not interesting." And I say to myself, you know, my friends have hobbies, but. That's not what we're talking about when we're together. And, you know, every once in a while, somebody takes a trip and they have something more exotic to say. But again, it's pretty rare. Um, you know, this. Wait, can I just add one more thing? I think the reason why you don't find anyone boring is because and tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you are just really curious about anything. That does help. Um, it, well, let me let me put it. I'll segue a tiny bit into the um, the world of small talk just to show you what I mean. Um, 
people find small talk a little bit intimidating because it's like, oh, small talk, this stupid thing that we have to do. <laughs> That's it's almost me. like, you know, because we're standing in the same space, we got to fill the air with talk. It's got to be small because we don't know each other that well. And um, it just sort of makes me laugh. The thing is, your approach to small talk makes all the difference. So what, okay, small talk is not like walking the plank. It's not like, you know, something people are forcing us to do. What is the purpose? Well, it exists in, in the first place just to kind of get a feel for what's going on. So if I bump into one of my friends, a little bit of small talk to find out, hey, what's going on, take the temperature. But with, a, with acquaintances, you know, people that maybe potentially could turn into stronger connections or strangers, think of small talk not as this awful thing. Think of it as a treasure hunt. And what kind of treasure hunt is this? What are you looking for in the small talk? Nothing more than you're looking for something to connect on. So like for me, that's about whatever is in that person's background or history that's kind of cool that maybe I can get out of them that's fun to talk about. Or maybe I can mention a few things. And if I'm mentioning things, you know, I've got a variety of interests and whatever, and I might run through a couple of different things in a variety. I'll mention a movie. I'll mention a sport. I'll mention a place I've, you know, place I'm from or a place I've been, whatever, a restaurant. So you wait and see what topic lights the person's eyes up, right? Like what, yeah. what have I got that excites, excites them a bit that we can get a little bit of extra energy into the conversation talking about. So that's basically it. You're, you're on a treasure hunt to find what connects you to, or at least what both of you find fascinating or just something cool that they've got in their background that I would love to hear about, you know, or, or something I have that they might like to hear about. So you're searching for that connection. And if people look at things from that standpoint, I think that their small talk would be a whole lot more successful. I, I really love that you see it as a game. Like I can <laughs> I can tell how much fun you're having just like coming up with all these creative ideas of like, oh, maybe I can. And I, I don't know if you do this, but like maybe if I start with this one line, like to see how they would react and then. Oh, if it doesn't work out, then all right, we'll try like this. Every other Actually, thing. Gladys, that's the perfect thing to do. Like when I'm talking about, you know, developing, dealing with service people, like I say, cashiers, restaurant servers, dry cleaners, bank tellers, anybody you see briefly, in which I say is a great place to work on your social skills, to work on your vibe, to work on the attitude you're bringing to the public. It's a great place to practice because you do exactly what you said. I'll try this line this day. I'll try that line on somebody else. I'll ask this question and see what I get. You know, so you can try out different things. You can even try out things that you think are funny and see how that goes over. You've got all these different people to pray. You have, Gladys, you have a whole city of all different restaurants <laughs> of people to try this out on. So you can, you can work your way through all kinds of practice material and find out what really works great for you and what works great for other people. You know, it's fantastic. Oh, I wanted to ask you if, like, do you remember what was the most challenging conversation that you've ever had? Kind of just, have you ever met someone where you're just like, God damn it. Like, I, like, I just Like talking can't. to a brick, yeah. I you're know. like talking um, to a brick. I wouldn't say any one person, but some people can be really difficult to draw out or just, you know, actually, I, I won't even pick a most difficult person. I'll just give you an example of something that I think you might find useful is I was at a 
party this weekend, Kentucky Derby party. Ooh. Um, it was fun. Uh, wild <laughs> ending there. Um, and there, oh was somebody, <laughs> there was somebody there who I knew pretty well. And I said, hello, gave her a big smile. And her smile was like barely there. She like kind of smiled. And, you know, and I, I came over to talk to her group and, you know, I just shot some ideas around the circle and, you know, I, I, I brought the, brought the happy fun joy about the derby stuff. And, um, and she was just like very reserved. And um, I remember thinking, and I, I didn't, I didn't know her well enough to say, Hey, anything going on with you? What's up? I didn't know her that well. She was like somebody else's wife and, and I, you know, didn't see her that often. But I did wonder to myself, you know, she just seems so, and, and, th- and I thought about the reaction that that had on me. So I, I thought about, well, like, wow, just because she didn't give me a, a, a big smile, I felt like, you know, the first thing you think is, oh, is it me? You know, and I, and I knew it wasn't me. Yeah. But at the same time, you, you can't help but feel like that that lack of connection is there. And it made me it made me wonder if something was going on with her. Like, you know, like, why, why did why did she seem so not happy at the party? Um, and, you know, I, I still don't know the answer to it, but I was just kind of intrigued at my own reaction to the fact that somebody was not, you know, not giving back the warmth that I was putting out there, you know, because most of the rest of the people, of course, did. I came, I gave them a, a warm welcome and everything. And, and the other people were giving me the same thing back. Because you know what? If you go out there and you bring some warmth, some joy, some empathy, it, it literally liberates other people to, to give that back to you. And I don't know why that wasn't happening for her. But like I said, it could have been anything. She could have been not feeling well, something going on. And who the heck knows, yeah. right? But it's intriguing to me that even though I know better, I still had the <laughs> feeling in my head, like, am I doing something wrong here? Like, fuck, why is she, why is she only giving me like this half smile that looks kind of pained? So, you know, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah, because the thing is, like, I realized there could be a a million reasons that are not related to you that could be going on. Yeah. And I can practically guarantee it was not related to me, probably. But yeah, so but we're all human. So and, and see, that's that's the kind of the beauty of this is that if you learn and I always say, you know, if you're going to start on a journey of self improvement, start from the inside, start start and you know I know it's a cliche but start with some gratitude exercises like every morning I wake up and I'm like you know what oh my body parts are working great and I don't have a toothache I don't know why I'm obsessed with teeth maybe because I like to eat but I'm like I don't have a toothache this is going to be an awesome day you know just think about all the things you're grateful for and you know change them up don't make them the same thing every day you should find something new and then start building that joy and enthusiasm in your heart and you start allowing yourself to put that out there, you will get a lot of joy and happiness back. Not a hundred percent, but by gosh, what you put out there is what comes flowing back into you. Absolutely. And when I, when I kind of discovered that way back when I was amazed, I was like, is this all I had to do was start was noticing, start giving, giving people the reaction that I wanted? Like, like back when I was a school kid, I would be like, well, you know, I'd, I'd approach a group and Unless somebody warmly welcomed me or whatever, I, I'd sit there and go, well, they must not like me very much. And, 
you know, um, yeah, I don't really have much to say. And I would just be like, you know, like I said, a, a piece of the scenery. But in fact, you can be the one, you can be the one to just bring that joy, that energy, that happiness. And you'll, you can create the comfort zone. You don't have to wait for it to be created for you. You create it. So now like everywhere that. I go, it's like the whole world is a friend stage. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And and I look back on the difference from when I was a kid and now, and I'm like, it, you, there was nobody to tell me that. Dale Carnegie in his book did not tell me that. Nobody in school mentioned it. They're too busy telling me about how many different types of rocks there are, like who cares, and how many how how plants grow, and who cares. And yeah. Instead, all this social stuff that is so critical to your happiness, to your personal success. They could actually make your life better, your mental health better. They don't teach you that stuff. They don't teach you. <laughs> I I spent the last two days reading um, th this book called If This Is A Nice, What Is? by uh, Kurt Vonnegut, which is uh -huh. basically a compilation of all of his graduation speeches that he gave. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really, okay. really, it's one of the best books I've ever read, and you you wow. should read it. Um, yeah. But he, one, one of the key theme in all of his speeches is that he was always very aware that there is a deep sense of loneliness that is happening. And this was like in 1970 something like this was when he, you know, and today it's like even worse than ever. Right. It, right. Yeah. And yeah, I think it definitely stems from like this. I don't know if it's made up in our heads or if it's just embedded in our culture at this point, but like people are so prone to noticing the divide rather yeah, than like, yeah. you know. Yeah, know, it keeps us apart. I mean, that's all we need is more things to keep us apart between <laughs> yeah. pandemics and social <laughs> media and, and the very fact that we don't have to talk to one another. We can just shoot off a text and nothing against texting. I use texting all the time to shoot friends and nice and you pick me up or whatever, but that should not be the conversation. You have to have that face to face. In fact, yeah. I will throw that out there when people are failing to make friends. I mean, here, here's the, the procedure is you have to be someplace where you can have, see people regularly. So it's very difficult to just make a friend in a coffee shop on a one-off. It's a difficult to make a friend on any one-off. I don't know if I've ever even done it on a one-off. If you see somebody regularly, whether that be at work or, you know, uh, at school, at a, you know, adult ed class, at a something for your hobby, uh, adult, ed, you know, adult recreational sports. I mean, you name it, yeah. any place where people gather regularly, then you have to make it a point to strike up those conversations and just fun so when I say small talk, you know, I'm not talking about, oh, we're just filling air. No, we're, we're on this treasure hunt searching for something to connect on. And then if they tell you something cool, then you kind of remember it for next time and ask about it. Right. So you start building up these warm uh, conversations till you get to the point where you've had, you know, you feel like, you know, this person a little better. Then you have to take the step and people miss this of inviting them to do something outside the place where you know them. So you know them from class, you got to invite them somewhere else. You know them from work, you got to invite them someplace else. You have to you have to develop that one-on-one -on -one thing. And, you know, maybe it'll go great and you'll keep doing it. Maybe it won't, who knows? It, but it doesn't matter. You have to cast your net out there and, and go for these one-on-ones where you can really get a chance to talk and, and have fun with the person. Yeah, I, 
I totally agree with you. It's like the important thing that I realized in creating really strong friendships is that you have to consistently show up for the person. Even yeah. if you, you're you the first one to do it, you just have yeah. to do it. Like, yeah. yeah, you just have to be willing to because because from the way I think about it, it's like if someone rejects you, then that's it. Like game over. Right. But then yeah. the possibility of a yes is like a, a decade worth of friendship, which is sure. way more worth it, you know, for, yeah. for the risk of a no. So, so. I I got a tip for you on that, which is um, you mentioned rejection and, you know, nobody likes rejection. We're all afraid of that because it doesn't feel good. I mean, you know, see, it just doesn't feel good. Yeah. So two things about that. One is one is with respect to the inviting people to do something, you know, suppose maybe they'll be surprised that you ask them. They probably won't be able to do something right away or maybe, you know, you just don't know what kind of reaction you'll get. So instead of making it an explicit invitation, would you like to go with me to da, da, da on Saturday? Make it a lot simpler. Just say, hey, I'm going to stop by such and such place for coffee after class. You want to come? That's that's what I call a tag along. You want to tag along with me to my thing. I'm doing my thing, whether you come or not. So there's no pressure on them or on you. If they if they're free, they'll maybe tag along. If they're not free, at least you planted the seed that you'd be interested in talking with them further. You've got that idea out there. Second aspect of that is, and you're absolutely right, not everybody will want to be your friend. They may be busy. They may not, you know, they may feel like friendship is too much. You don't know the reasons. Yeah. So my solution for that is to downsize the rejection. How do you downsize? You downsize it by having a lot of different possibilities going on. So it's not all riding on this one person that I've met and maybe they'll be a friend. And you know what? They're one of many things you're working on. So if this one person, they're busy, they're not into it, they're whatever, it's not going to crash your world if they're too busy or they don't want to. It's not going to crash your world because you're also talking to this person and that person and that person you've downsized the rejection. It's like, this is just something I do. I throw out feelers and you know what? You want to come into my cool life, great. If not, well, you're <laughs> boss, whatever. Carry on, man, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I like that idea of um, not, you know, put it, putting everything in one basket, basically. Yeah, so that way you don't, it, it also reduces your sense of, like you know, how we can get anxious, like, oh, yeah. I'm going to be issuing an invitation. Well, you know what? It becomes a lot easier and a lot more casual if it's just one of the many things you got going on, one of the things you're doing, oh, hey, you know, would you like to do this? Well, maybe some other time, right? If, yeah. if they can. So I, I like that. You know, I, yeah, I, so you're just floating the idea. Yeah. I'm not too sure, you know, kind of people that you hang out with. Um, do you usually hang out with like younger people? I'm just curious. Or I would say a variety at this okay. point. I like mean, t- I like twenty thirties co- for you know. I have college age kids, so just as an example. So I was at a you know Kentucky Derby party. There were people yeah. there. Which is so cool, you know. by the way. <laughs> so I'm I'm a middle aged person with college age kids. So there were you know us there. There were actually some older folks there. You know like you know and, and you know what though I never ignore the older folks. I'm always like in there and I'll make some kind of generational thing that they'll like make them laugh or smile or whatever yeah you know just you know make the rounds and say hello to everybody last night my sons were here and they were having a they were doing like a personal jeopardy party so they had like six guys come over 
So there were eight of them total and they dressed up in suits because they, I don't know, they some weird thing they were doing. So, and I took a picture of them. So, and I, I just love these guys and just to listen to them do their thing. And it's, it's just a hoot. So I would say, you know, obviously I hang out more with uh, people my age, which yeah. is basically parents who have college age kids. But, um, but I love interacting with generation above me, the generation below me, generations all around, baby. <laughs> but I'm so, yeah, that, I mean, that's the whole reason why I asked is like, I'm so curious as to, do you notice things about like the younger generations and the older generations in the way that they approach life where you're like, oh, you know, that's like basically things to learn. Like what are, what are the best things that you can learn from the younger generations and, and the older generation? Well, with my kids, I listen to their um, phraseology, I guess. <laughs> So that way I understand what other young people are saying to me. Like, if, so I'm not, it's very important. I'm not, I'm not up for your podcast, Lettuce. I'm down for it. So I'm I'm down. For it. yeah. Yeah. And so now one I just heard this morning is, uh, all right, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it's not that deep. It's not that deep. That's the latest thing. It's, I'm not, that that that. it's oh. not that deep. So don't, don't be bugging me about that. It's not that deep. <laughs> We, I, guess I actually don't use that with my friends very often. Well, <laughs> now we know I'm learning so much. That's what the college kids are saying. So, <laughs> oh god! But do you notice things about like the way that we conduct ourselves and like the way that we approach life? Like, do you feel it? Because sometimes I I oscillate between the young. Well, I say younger, but you know, people my age. I'm 26. Yeah, I was so gonna like, say you. Yeah, like 20s. Yeah, like um, people in their 20s. They're so bold, but there's also like this complete different spectrum of like very nervous, like um, very, very af afraid of judgmental, uh, I mean, judgments of themselves, yeah. um, just very anxious versus extremely bold characters. Yeah, I, I think it's a that's an issue of of the age. I mean, in, in some ways, and I've read this in articles that people are ironically least happy in their teens and 20s when you would think they would be most happy because you're still coming into a full sense of yourself and you know your place in the world and you know how's my career going to go and who are going to be my friends am I going to find a partner and there's so many question marks and you feel like the whole world is judging you you know everything from your appearance to your brains to your <laughs> professional skills to you name it you're being judged yeah. all the time Whereas you get a little bit older and, and, and you suddenly you're like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just living my life, man. I, I don't need people judging me and I don't care what you think of this, that, or the other. And as long as you have, I mean, and actually this kind of goes back to the whole social thing. As long as you have your human connections, whatever they may be, if you have family nearby, if you have a friend circle, and, and hugely, you know, having one good friend is a huge improvement over having none. I have to say that. Like, even if you're starting small, like just having somebody to bounce things off of, to support you in your good times and bad, you need somebody to, to, to empathize with you and hold your hand when things are going crappy. And you also need somebody to celebrate your victories. You know, you got to have somebody you yeah. call when something cool happens. And so, you know what? You start that one friend at a time. You make that one friend and then you expand out from there. And then maybe there's another person. Hey, we're going to a movie. You want to join us? 
and it expands until you've got suddenly you've got this world. And if you've got this interconnected world, then if things are going disastrously at work or you lose your job, well, you've got a whole network. You've got a whole other set of stuff going on in your life that is cool and great. And you know what? You'll find another job. You know, that way, one thing is not going to level you because you've got a support system. That's one of the main reasons to create a good network of friends. And, and it takes time. It really does. You got to yeah. put the effort in. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I'm yeah, I, I think I'm at this point where you're right. Like everything is just so uncertain. Um, And I don't know, like for you, if you kind of think back to, you know, in your 20s and stuff, like how did you because you seem so sure of yourself now, like you seem like you know your sense of place here, you know why you're here. Um, or is it more of like you just are able to be a lot better at letting go of things? I, I feel like, I mean, this kind of goes to personal philosophy, but I feel like everybody is on the planet for a cool purpose. I mean, when you look at the biological odds, and this is something school did teach me, the biological odds of any of us being born are ridiculously low when you think of everything working against us. Like, first of all, every single one of your ancestors had to survive. Huh, what are the odds of that? And then once your parents came along, the odds of you being the particular person born as opposed to any other combination of species or, yeah. Also minuscule. So the very fact that you're here affects the whole world. Like not everyone's like this celebrity or this person who affects a lot of people, but in your corner of the world, you can make a huge difference with every person you connect with. It matters, you know, it it matters that you're on the planet, but, but a lot of people, their light is hidden inside them. And it's because they, they don't know how to make this connection. But once you learn how to make that connection, boy, you can shine your light for the world. You can light people up. I say one exercise to do is, you know, the concept of pay it forward, find something good to do every day. And if you look online, there's like a ton of ideas more than I ever would have thought of. Ton of really cool ideas. Make every day a pay it forward exercise. Like do at least one thing per day that makes your mark on the world. Whether it's, you know, you say hi to somebody you don't normally say hi to. You give somebody a compliment. You help somebody with an errand any little thing you can do it matters that you're on the planet and it matters whatever that may be you know we're all special there well i was just going to say look at you in your podcast you've got your your one small corner of the universe carved out with your podcast (laughs) my gosh girl you know you're doing your thing you're starting to do your thing you're starting to move and to grow and i've seen your titles i know you talk about cool stuff and the people who've been impacted by your podcast so you know, it might be small at this point. I mean, I don't know numbers or anything, but the people who've heard have been impacted. So if you can impact a life, if somebody hears your podcast and they're like, have a cooler thought or a better idea or a more happy life because they've heard you, it makes a difference, you know? And it went two places that confidence comes from. I mean, (laughs) confidence, you can teach a whole course on confidence alone. Like, where does confidence come from? It should come from two places. One is the sense that you matter. You've got something special to give. You are unique. You've got that flame. That's you. That's that's number one place. 
Number two place is from the idea, socially speaking, that you can do what you set out to do. So in the sense, I start at the very basics. Can I make eye contact? Can I light up a smile? Absolutely. And you can practice lighting, lighting up a smile. You practice on your pets, by gosh, you know, you can practice. <laughs> it makes a total, total difference in terms of your demeanor and being able to interact. So you start practicing these small things over and over again until they become a superpower. Think about how when people learn a sport, and I'll use tennis as an example, because that's not one of my sports. I do have a couple of sports, though. If you're going out to learn to play tennis, you know, does anyone say, ah, oh, so you're learning to play tennis. You're a fake tennis player. No, they don't say that to you. They expect you to have a learning curve and, and do that. So if you're going out and trying to transform or improve the way you socialize, nobody should be calling you a fake anything. I am on a journey of self-improvement here, people. So, you know, in any case, if so, if you're going out, all right, let's, let's move it to basketball. If you go out on the court and you make a very long shot, half court shot or something like, wow, lucky it went in. Well, does that mean you're now a basketball player? No, it doesn't. Basketball is something you have to practice every day for months to get good at. Same thing with social skills. You're not going to transform overnight, even if you know better things to do. you got to practice your persona. you got to practice bringing, creating that circle of warmth, as, as I call it. Practice bringing that warm and energetic vibe. And believe me, I have a lot of charismatic friends, but they are not, you know, people translate in their minds that if you're outgoing, you have to be loud, you have to be this massive entertainer. I don't agree with that at all. I think um, you just have to, you have to be warm. You have to, that thing I mentioned before, that vocal hug, you yeah. reach out to people with that friendly, friendly tone, with that smile. And another thing that my friends are, is they are very interested. They are present when they're with you. And, I'll, and, I'll, and I'm not meaning to rag on phones, but sometimes when we're with people, we're like half with them. We're half listening and we're half on our phone. It's really better if you're with a friend or with anybody really is if you got to check your texts, you know, step away from the conversation and say, hey, I got to check on this and then come back to the conversation as opposed to like, trying. you know, I've done it too. I mean, we're all guilty of it. <laughs> no, but you you bring up a, a really good point. It's actually something that bothers me a lot. Like it is, it is one of my top pet peeves. It's like um, when you talk to someone and you know, you can feel that they're not all there they're, they're just not, engaged. not all yes. there and yes. it just it makes me want to just leave because yeah. I, I don't know I just feel like and this might be a little bit much to ask for but like if you're gonna hang out with me for 10 minutes just be there for 10 minutes absolutely like, and yeah so just being there just being present is a is a huge aspect of you know coming across in a very yeah authentic way you know and if right. you're, if you're we cannot multitask our social interactions I mean we try because I think ultimately like what people want is to feel heard and yeah. be acknowledged <laughs> why is it so hard <laughs> oh god this this internet thing is okay you're back there we go okay perfect did you catch what I said uh, repeat the last part and I'll tell you. No, yeah, I was just saying that, you know, ultimately, like what people want to be is to be heard and seen and acknowledged. And it's such a simple thing. Like 
sometimes my friends are like, you know, oh, why, why don't people want to hang out with me and stuff? And I'll be like, have you just tried being a friend and treating them like a person <laughs> with respect? Uh, yeah, let's like, start there. <laughs> oh my god, it's yeah. just I feel like we're at this point where we we're actually relearning how to just be nice to people yeah. <laughs> you know and then you know i will tr- i will be generous with this and i will say that the pandemic has not helped any of us in that regard yeah for so sure i will i will say we're all a little rusty on our, our social skills <laughs> and doing what we need to be able to do but it's really worth being intentional about like i said about bringing more to your interactions and practicing practicing you know i don't Technically, I don't need the social skills practice, but I still do it every social opportunity I get. I try to warm up somebody's day. I don't care if it's the bagger at the grocery or who the heck it is. I try to leave them with a nice feeling like like they're they're glad they came upon me in that day. And that bit of practice just it just elevates me in addition to that. I mean, it elevates my whole day. So I think that's it's worth uh, doing with practicing. Yeah, I I wanted to go back to your point on uh, confidence and how you said that people need to realize that they matter. But why is it so hard? Like, I know so many people who need, and including me, like external validation. They need somebody to tell them that they matter for them to realize that. Well, I got something on this too. One of my favorite phrases, this is obviously not my phrase, but one of my favorite phrases is flip the script. Like whoever created that phrase should have copyrighted it. It is so perfect. So yes, we are all waiting to be validated. We are, we are all waiting for other people to show us warmth and friendliness. Flip that script. We can be that person who does the validating. We can be that person who creates that warmth. And you know, Maybe not everyone steps into the circle, but we can keep putting it out there. We can be the ones who, who provide that. And you know what that ends up doing? Because that's how I do it. That's how I am. It comes back to you in spades. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even seeking validation in any way. And it's still coming back to me because people are just having the joy because I'm spreading the joy and enjoying the joy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I like that. It's it's kind of like um you have to, you know, you kind of have to get the ball rolling before yeah. anything can happen. And, um, and that's why I say sometimes you have you do it does help to practice not in your social life. So you can really see for yourself the difference that it makes when you approach somebody not just in your autopilot way, but you you make that eye contact, you light up that smile, you ask them. Not just, oh, how was your day? Oh, you know, how is your day going? You know, you put that extra warmth, that vocal hug, you put that out there and and they can hear it. They can feel it. And uh, it'll make a difference in how they react to you. And so you can practice this. Did I, did, was that warm enough? Well, let me, you know, practice it a different way this time. Yeah. I, I think another thing that I noticed is also like on your point of giving validation, People feel what's the word? It's like people cringe when they appreciate other people. And I don't understand that. Being nice is a is seen as a form of like, 
oh, I kind of, you know, I don't want to be associated with that because it's very embarrassing almost. Wow. Okay. Well, that's, that's it's so interesting. Maybe, maybe a generational difference. I maybe <laughs> a generation. Yeah. Tell you something weird that I do that I absolutely love to do is every once in a while I'll hear somebody say something really nice about something else. They'll make some comment about them or their house or their whatever. They'll say something nice. So the next time I see that person, you still there? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> next time I see that person, I'll be like, you won't believe you. you know, I'm so sorry you missed this conversation because we were talking about how great your whatever was. Or, you know, I will pass that compliment along secondhand. I love to do that. I mean, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and you and I think just purely being able to see that person's face light up, it's like the best thing. Yeah, it's awesome. And I, I'm not talking about being inauthentic i mean i i am not gonna compliment somebody just for the sake of saying that i mean if if there's something that truly strikes me and what i love to compliment people on is is not necessarily something obvious like you know i suppose you know you've got this gorgeous person and they always look great well i'm not going to compliment them (laughs) on their looks they probably get that all the live long day but if they've done something cool like they've started some volunteer work or you know they did something great on their hobby or whatever i'll compliment something that else that is meaningful something smaller something other people might not notice that that's really something to go for i love that patty this was great i I feel so like okay i'll be honest i was not having a good day like i yeah and (laughs) and the reason is because i got some bad news about a really close friend and and uh, oh, and so you know, oh. but this conversation has turned that whole day around. Um, thank you so much for coming on here and just I don't know, just showing up for another stranger. Oh I think gosh, well, Glass, I have to thank you for inviting me because most of my stuff in this realm, all of it really, is done in the written form, and it, as you know, it's it's difficult to come across the same way in the written form that you would in a live thing. And yeah. also, thank you for showing up with such a friendly and welcoming demeanor on a day that you've you've got these negative thoughts going on and you're like oh I got to overcome this and try to have a good podcast and welcome Patty (laughs) of course that makes me laugh you're bringing it Gladys you're bringing it oh man I try (laughs) I try because the thing is like I realize the way that I see situations now and it's something that I'm still working on it's like meaning is assigned by us and them by itself, it's neutral. So we can always change how we look at things. And so I'm really trying to do that for this really objectively not great situation. Yeah, it's tough. Um, but it'll be it'll be okay. It'll be okay. I'm not yeah. I'm not too worried about it. But yeah. Yeah. Is oh, there anything? I, else? Yeah. No. What's well, up? Just one. Yeah. One last thing. I just wanted to comment on the the title of your podcast, the knuckle knuckleball. Yes. Um, I'm a baseball fan. So to me, knuckleball is kind of like this unexpected pitch and it floats in and it dips and it moves around and, and it's never any one thing. It always comes in a little differently. So I just love the, uh, the title of your podcast. And I also love your, uh, your logo. I, I think it's fantastic. Oh my God. That lights me up. Can I just, okay. So I'm not a baseball fan, but I am a fan of an author called Austin Cleon and okay. he brought up the knuckleball pitch. Um, oh. and the reason why I named my podcast that is because apparently in the knuckleball community, because there's so few of them, 
Right. They are very giving. Like everyone's just so helpful in keeping the knuckleball pitch alive rather <laughs> than the other, you know, maybe more famous pitches um, yeah. where everyone is so competitive and everyone just like, you know, wants to be stay in their lane. Um, yeah. I just really like that spirit. So, you know. Well, that that makes a whole lot of sense. It <laughs> adds that absolutely unique aspect to your uh, to your podcast. And I, I would love people to check out your podcast just because like, what what is this about? You know, the knuckleball. Yeah, oh, I love that. And thanks for giving me a chance to kind of explain it more fully, because I don't think I ever did that. Sure, before. I was curious. I really <laughs> that was. was awesome. I really appreciate your support, Patty. This was great. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So carry on, Gladys. And I'm going to be uh, going through the rest of your podcast. I'm going to be a fan. So thank you, you so much. God. <laughs> and please, let's stay in touch. You know, we sure, don't have you, to do this. You've got my email and we can oh, yeah. contact you Reddit. So you've got both of those. Perfect. All right. I'll talk to you All again. Right. Thanks, Thanks, Patty. Nice meeting you, Gladys. Love nice meeting you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Before you go, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please take 15, 20 seconds to leave a nice rating and review. It'll really, really help the show. Also, come say hi and let me know what you thought about it on Knuckleball Podcast on Instagram. I really love to get to know you as well. And maybe, maybe we can be friends. Who knows? (laughs) All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye.